two nights together had these gentlemen, Marcellus and Bernardo, on their watch, in the dead, vast, and middle of the night, been thus encountered. I'm Zach Powers. And this is Stage of Fools. The unofficial Royals podcast. Tonight we'll be discussing Season 4, Episode 8, In the Dead, Vast, and Middle of the Night. Willow's hen party spirals out of control. Robert proposes a shady alliance. And Liam demonstrates his loyalty to his brother. So, this is one of the final three episodes of the season, at least, if not... Of the entire series. I would say 90 to 95% chance one of the last three episodes of the series. Um, but 100% chance the third to last episode of the season. Yes. Well, uh, for the record, I'm opening to continuing our actually, Stage of Fools journey, but I don't believe that the show will be renewed for season five. I don't believe five. that either. And actually, I have not checked that this season is 10 episodes. I'm just going off of the previous seasons, which were 10 episodes. Now that we're four seasons into this podcast, we're just going off of muscle memory, more or less. Yeah. Uh, so I guess it's more like a 98% chance this is the third to last episode of the season, unless for some reason they upped the episode order, which I very heavily doubt um so i will say this though last week we were like what is the fucking point of this entire season and now also this week we were like that at first for most of the episode <laughs> but by the end of the episode it was like okay i understand what the plot of this season is i understand robert's role finally like i understand what if he is supposed to be evil or just kind of misunderstood and controlling i think I think they've kind of delivered their verdict on that particular... If nothing else, his Paul... I mean, like, as a king, he is an evil king. Is he an evil brother? Is he an evil son? I don't know. But he's an evil king. Yeah, I... I... We still haven't gotten confirmation on whether or not he killed his father. No, that has not been confirmed. So I don't feel, like, confident saying we know what Robert is supposed to be. I think we might be being a little bit premature I think there. There's, I think he took a certain quiet glee in the level of manipula- of control he thought or did have over Liam. No, I agree. He's definitely evil, but we just haven't gotten confirmation on some of the show's big mysteries surrounding him. Yeah. And yeah, I would say, I, and I would not be surprised. Well, we'll get to the prestige of the episode <laughs> in due course. And we could talk about what we do or do not think uh, is true of one Robert Henstridge. But um, this episode, unlike the last few, was very neatly divided into two plots. Uh, a serious plot about the fate of the democracy for the men. And a silly plot about having a fun little party for the women. Yes, and the woman half of this podcasting duo was the one who pointed that out while we were watching. It's very frustrating. I enjoy Eleanor and Willow as characters, and it's fun to see them play off each other. But this entire episode, Willow is acting like, I'm a silly little baby because she's on drugs while the men have this incredibly, like, serious, like, wannabe house of cards. Smoke-filled room, like, fate of Britain conversations. So it's just, it's very frustrating to me. If this were, like, the first time or even not the 300th time this has happened then I might feel differently, but it's just consistent whenever there's anything, like, remotely serious when it comes to plot machinations. It's fully for the male characters to take care of. And I would say part of me was a little surprised at, um, I mean, I guess it's theoretically supposed to be, like, his, what, it's supposed to be Robert's stag party, technically, is that correct? Yeah, that's British for bachelor party, right. for the and uninitiated. Willow, Willow um, reluctantly has a hen party thrown Andy, by yeah. uh, thrown by Eleanor. But That's but, why on my dad wrote a porno, they always talk about the hen do. It's hen yeah, party, hen do. I was kind of surprised in the Robert storyline that not just, I guess it makes sense if it's a stag party, but that no women were invited because it seemed to more be about nobility 
than necessarily men. And there's lots of women who are of noble, like the House of Lords has female members, if I'm not mistaken. There have obviously been queens. Not in this world. In the history. Even though there's like a Queen Matilda the first in this universe. We'll get into that. Yeah. So I don't know why there were no, it seems like there should have been women at Robert's party, but there was not. There was a server, female server, wearing a backless vest. I didn't notice her. Um, okay, so basically, let's start with uh, let's start with uh, ladies first, as the saying goes, and also because that's a much more immaterial plot. Let's start there. Yes. So Willow is in the process of having basically like a series of hearings within this private chamber where all these lords and Queen Helena call her in and make her answer very basic questions like I feel like any British kid in high school would know the answers to these questions it's like how many different you know uh, oh gosh you know I'm not British realms. I don't know what it is how, how many, many realms, realms does does King Robert rule over and like and how like, many different kings have there been and what's the order of succession and stuff like they, all like government stuff that's going to be on your high school slash college level test how many kings have been in like the henstridge family line i don't know if they teach this stuff in modern like in england i don't live in england obviously but i'm wondering if in england they teach this stuff more in history class because i don't think it has much point in civics class anymore but it would definitely be taught in history class yeah history class it would be taught in. but in civics class like who gives a fuck about who king Fucking Matilda the First. <laughs> Queen, Queen Matilda, Matilda the First. Low um, respect. And they also allude to, again, the exaggerated powers of the royalty in this universe at some point in this line of questioning. Um, I can't remember exactly how, but I know they say something that is not fucking true. They definitely talk about signing treaties or something where it's like, y'all are, y'all are not allowed to do that, so... <laughs> Don't even try it. Willow's stressing. It's going well, but she's stressed because she's super type A. As we have learned about her, that might be her defining trait so far. Right. And like the last day is the most important day where they ask her, they don't even ask, they're not even going to ask her like questions about history. They're just like, why would you make a good queen? But she doesn't know that's what the final question is going to be. First of all, yeah, that's true. This shit does not happen. This is like an this is like an essay question. Well, no, I mean straight up, like Meghan Markle is not getting grilled by a bunch of fucking people in military garb. Oh, I know, but she certainly is getting protected by a secret service in the way that Willow is clearly not in this episode. Yeah. Um. So, um. Yeah. So she's stressing about that, and Eleanor is like, Robert is having his, you know, stag party. You should have your hen do too. And Willow's like. <laughs> I'm much too uptight and type A and worried about my test for such matters. I'm a Ravenclaw. Um, and Willow says, well, what would... And there's a... Eleanor tra- says. Eleanor uh, is like, fine, 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 and disappears through a door. And Eleanor crosses around a corner and Eleanor exits through another door and says, but what would you do were you to have one? Now, it's worth noting at this point that we know... <laughs> From the first step, from the beginning of the episode, that three things happen. One, uh, Willow oh, yeah. accidentally knocks herself out while dressed as a ghost. Wait, so to be clear, just to clarify a little bit, the show starts as it often does in media res. So it's like up and then after a the mistake. titles, flashback to how this all happened. No, no Liam freeze frame in this one. It's just like... This is some shit that's going to happen later. I think in this episode in particular, it's a weakness because it tips off a reveal later in the episode that would have been much more enjoyable if we didn't fucking know what was going to happen. And also, I just, I think it would have been, like, it's not like we needed to know how dire the situation was. It didn't, like, let us in on anything particularly like, how did they get there? It was mostly jokes that were going to come later in the episode. But three things... Uh, Willow is acting under the influence of something, and she's dressed as a ghost in the ca- in the corridors, the catacombs, and kind of accidentally knocks herself out. And Eleanor takes a selfie with her on the ground. Uh, 
Helena is covered with some kind of liquid. It's obviously chocolate right away. Zach thought it was blood. I think the show is trying to make us think it might be blood. It does look like Carrie from Carrie, but with chocolate instead. And, you know, maybe it's because we did just the Riverdale Carrie episode was like last week. So maybe I've got Carrie on the brain. And I thought maybe they were doing a Carrie thing, but no, it's chocolate. And Robert uh, says, like, takes Liam aside in a room filled with broken glass and is like, (laughs) you did what you had to. And you prove you're truly my good brother or some bullshit. <laughs> you make it sound like they're at the dump. There are a few broken glasses on the table. Yeah. A room full of broken glass. A cave of shards of crystal. Uh, so that's the things we know are going to happen. Yeah, they really undercut themselves this time. I agree with that. Let's jump back into where we were. The show loves this joke where people go into one door and then pop out from another. Every single time they're like, isn't this the funniest shit you have ever seen? Eleanor asks Willow, what are the things she would have, I guess, if she could just do anything, if she could just be chillin'? I'd, she didn't put it like that, but I don't remember her exact right. phrasing. Uh, she was like, if you did have a party, like what kind of thing would it be? And she was like, it'd be very low key with massages and chocolate. She loves, she's a regular chocoholic, Willow. Of course, because she's a beautiful, thin woman. So she has to be into some kind of junk food. Eleanor's like, oh, okay. Well, we can't put that together on such short notice. What's behind this door? An entire massage parlor? I guess we couldn't do the chocolate. I know your heart was really set on it. We couldn't do everything. Wait, what's behind this other door? A chocolate fountain? What kind of chocolate fountain? (laughs) Willow says, it's the biggest chocolate fountain ever! In her best Sarah Alice impression, more or less. Uh Uh-huh. And it's all for her and Eleanor and Helena, the only three people who attend this party. You know, you're cl- the people you're closest with in the whole world. Your fiancé's sister and your fiancé's mother. Yeah. Her fiancé's sister and her fiancé's mother leave so she can have a private massage at her party. <laughs> with the Alice in Wonderland ballerina maids from previous episodes this season. Um, And the shot is framed in such a way that it is impossibly clear that the masseuse is a character we're supposed to know. Maybe someone who was on the incredibly obvious previously on? Maybe. Maybe somebody who has a romantic rivalry with Willow because she was after Robert's hand in marriage? A romantic rivalry that kind of doesn't really exist, though. She wishes she had a romantic rivalry I want to take bets. I want to take bets. Cassandra, I feel like could show up again, but it could. I would not put it past this show to be like, well, we needed somebody to do this silly drug plot, and now we don't have any use for her, so she's not going to show up again. Last last time, there was a character who I thought would never show up again, and here they are at the end of this episode. I kind of don't want to spoil when we talk about it, but I just I don't know that anyone is is off the table yet. There were things about the end of this episode that genuinely surprised me. Yes. Oh, yes. Because they didn't really fully make sense the more I thought about them, so they did... The masseuse uh, is revealed to be none other than Cassandra. And it's just excruciatingly obvious. She's doing, like, this very ridiculous, like, either Welsh or Cockney accent that sounds so fake. Mm -hmm. And they're, like, not showing her face, but she's... Obviously, this incredibly, like, curvy, model-esque woman with brown hair. It's just instantly clear. First time the opening thing about, like, the In Media Ray thing at the beginning of the episode shot themselves in the foot, we knew that Cassandra was going to have some kind of plan where she drugged Willow or somehow made her act. You mean the previously on? No, no, no. The beginning of the episode where they were like, here's something that'll happen later in the episode. Like, they had that thing where she was a ghost in the corridor, right? So we knew basically what Cassandra was going to do already. That's okay. That's true. That was pointless. Like, I don't know why they revealed that. I know. I was like, is she going to stab her in the back while she's no. on the massage table? Is she going to garret her? Is she going to steal her identity somehow? No, she's going to, she, she put LSD in her massage oil and, uh. Sign me up, baby. Yeah, actually, it sounds pretty <laughs> not bad. And, uh. <laughs> So she's uh, tripping balls on LSD, and then she walks out of the hallway. You don't know it's LSD at this point. And she's just kind of staggering around. She walks out of the hallway, and Eleanor's like, what's going on? And she's like, I'm dying. 
and she falls over. Now, we know she's not dying because we saw at the beginning of the episode, there's a later scene where she's just messed up and walking around like a ghost. Yeah, it's too bad, because otherwise that could have been a really dr- a moment full of dramatic tension. Yeah. Like, is the queen to be the king's bride going to get uh, poisoned to death? <laughs> yeah. But uh, we know that's not the case because they decided to tell us. There's also no security detail on her. They right. treat her like she's still the freaking social media manager. Two people who should not be in the palace enter the palace in this episode super easily, as far as I can tell. Yeah, where's Rosie in all of this? Rosie has been gone for like three or four episodes. Heartbreaking. James Hill has been gone. Sarah Alice. That's why there's no law and order. The absence of Sarah Alice. Yeah. The god has abandoned <laughs> the royals. Children of a lesser god. Um, she became tired of these old playthings and moved on to something <laughs> new. Most of the rest of the episode is Eleanor kind of babysitting Willow through her LSD fit. Yeah, I'll speak to this. Uh, it's sort of fun to see these two characters bounce off each other because I feel that... Eleanor is a very likable character, and Alexandra Park does a very good job, like, having a warm, empathetic feeling with whatever actor is her scene partner. So she usually brings out the best in whatever character she's paired with. And I was especially struck by that during the moments when Willow was sober. Because it's sort of amusing to see this whole, like, bad trip babysitting thing. But there aren't any, like, hilarious revelations. At one point, Willow sees Eleanor as, like, a wicked witch of the West-style witch, and it is a Snapchat filter that they put on her. Like, makeup would have looked so much better, but it's it's wretched. It's ostensibly an excuse set up to do a bunch of goofs and a bunch of jokes. And um, so Genevieve Gaunt who plays Willow, I think is having fun playing this, like, drug pays character type thing. I don't know if she totally sells it. She seems more like she got body swapped with a one-year-old than uh, actually tripping. I think Genevieve Gaunt is funny, but only when she's allowed to do, like, dry humor in, like, conversational banter. Or maybe have like, oh, she has like a socially awkward moment because she's this socially awkward social media manager. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. This isn't physical comedy. Doesn't really work for her the way it works for Alexandra Park. Um, they do have a few fun visual effects. There's one uh, moment where that picture of Eleanor that's been in her room for a long time that kind of has like the melting effect on it appears to be actively melting and that looks pretty good. That was very striking. They actually make great use of Eleanor's room, which this season is even more like emerald green themed than it was before after last season's renovations. And Eleanor is wearing this really nice green velvet mini dress with gold rings all through it like studs so she matches the decor of her room which is also green and gold it like it gives the motif of like this is where she belongs and willow is the outsider uh there's a moment when willow catches on fire that was like She's a lot. <laughs> dancing by the fireplace in a sheet. Kate Bush style. While Eleanor is attempting to get her to have a good trip, during which she inexplicably tells her something she thinks is a star is a bomb, which terrifies her and would not be conducive to helping her have a good trip. Yeah, Eleanor is like, a bomb is hovering above you. Now, don't think about scary things. Only have positive thoughts and it doesn't totally track. Yeah, there's a fun joke, too, where they cut to a scene of Willow, uh running her hair, her hands through the hair of a dog. Oh, I liked this. It's an Afghan hound with really long, dark brown hair. And she's like, your your fur is so beautiful. Your fur is so beautiful. And then they cut to another shot, and she's actually running her hair through Eleanor's, her hands through Eleanor's hair. Yeah, and like holding her the way you would try to hold a big dog. Yeah. I thought that was a good moment, and it was funny because she was being like, earnest in her love for the dog instead of like 
putting on some sort of fake baby voice and saying like mean queen ruin my dream because apparently when you're mm-hmm. tripping on lsd you make up really bad yeah, mad hatter mm-hmm. style mm-hmm. poetry you're like in a shitty dr seuss <laughs> yeah other than that like they she eleanor keeps being bad at this and falling asleep or not paying attention to willow and she creeps off um the ghost thing happens she bumps her head, whatever. It's not yeah. a big deal. There's um, not a lot to say about this plot because only, it doesn't actually advance the story that much. The only other thing is it also obviously brings into play the Helena chocolate. I wanted to talk about that, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Willow is sampling from the chocolate fountain in the room alone when... So Cassandra walks in. It's important to point out they actually do do a fun visual thing here. Cassandra is wearing a very tailored all-white massage outfit, and Helena is wearing a white dress with a very similar sort of silhouette, but it's like a Helena-esque bandage dress. So so Cassandra... This, this would have been a fun scene. Um, this is the other, this is the point where the meteorite thing shoots them in the foot yeah. the most. Because you know what's going on immediately. You know, Cassandra, Cassandra walks in and says, you look so ugly but everything else she says after that could go to either helena or cassandra she says like go find eleanor she'll take good care of you and make you feel safe but when you just say that with different tone it's find eleanor she'll take care of you and make you feel safe so you get the idea and, so, and, <laughs> and Willow is also saying things back to her that could uniquely apply to both, where she's like, you don't want me to be queen, you don't want me to replace you. You're trying you. to steal this from me, yeah. etc. You're being protective of the title of queen, and like, oh, that applies to both of them. Hurdy, yeah. hurdy, hurdy. Oh. And if we didn't know from the beginning what was going on... This would have been a fun reveal. Yeah, it would have actually been very clever. So, uh... Willow, feeling under attack from the person she believes to be Cassandra, flings this quote-unquote Cassandra into the chocolate fountain. Obviously, you get it. It's actually Helena. Uh, Willow almost drowns her in the chocolate fountain before she kind of comes out of her stupor and realizes what's going on. And Helena is able to extract herself. (laughs) I don't think there was ever a risk of her genuinely drowning her. That's the way Willow makes it seem. But yeah, uh, that 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 could have been a fun moment. It was ru- more than maybe any other thing that's ever been ruined by that opening, like in Meteorite thing they love to do on this show. That reveal really, really was ruined, and I wish they had not told us ahead of time what was going to happen with that. But that's kind of okay because there's other things that I did not see coming in this episode. True, even though they also fill that reveal with so many flashbacks to a previous episode that it completely chops up the scene. That's true. And makes it actually very confusing. But that'll have to be the tail end of our discussion of this other plot. Right. Willow manages to get sober enough to go to this hearing but not enough to go to her own room and get dressed. She has to borrow clothes from Eleanor, and the clothes she borrows are a poison t-shirt, a very short black mini skirt, thigh-high leather stiletto boots, and then just for good measure, she does her jewelry and makeup like Eleanor's too, even though I don't remember that a cat eye being required. Does not make sense. The, I'll say this. The poison t-shirt makes sense i imagine all of eleanor's dresses are like fitted and they have different figures oh yeah that's true that's actually totally fair so the loose fitting poison t-shirt is probably something of eleanor's that she could actually like they could both wear theoretically the rest of it i don't know (laughs) zach may not be a women's fashion expert but he is right about their figures they have very very different body types Anyway, Helena asks Willow, who's like still kind of stoned and just openly belligerent in a way that I would never have the balls to be. It's like, yeah, whatever. Ask me your fucking questions. I don't care. It's a classic like that scene where the employee says something to the boss and they're like, you son of a bitch. We need someone (laughs) with that kind of gumption in this company. You came here to resign, but... Actually, you're promoted. Yeah. Uh, but she's like, I don't know if I'll be a good queen. Well, but I... I haven't even asked the question. Oh, yeah. Uh, Helena asked Willow to tell them why she would be a good queen. And she's like, I don't fucking know why I'd be a good queen. Maybe I wouldn't be shit. <laughs> Maybe I wouldn't be. I might not try and hold to the standards that you and all the queens before you 
held to because I don't believe in them. But there's one thing that's true. I love your son and he loves me and that's all that matters. So this is the shit I got to do to be with him. So, okay. So y'all can fuck off. Yeah. Willow out, <laughs> dropping the mic. Poison forever. Brett Michaels. They, the council doesn't respond, but it's implied that they're like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. They've had Helena as a queen for like 40 years. Hasn't she worn them down? Yeah. So um, that's pretty much that storyline. Oh, uh, then Eleanor has a has a daytime picnic nap with Jasper and they're like, we love each other. Right. Well, he just came from the other storyline. So that's actually the perfect transition. What have you been up to all night, Jasper? Eleanor hypothetically asks. And he says, it's a long story. <laughs> flashback sound effect. Flashback <laughs> sound effect. Flashback sound effect. So all the men are gathered at the world's worst bachelor party. Oh, my stag God. Stag party. We both immediately, as soon as they did the establishing shot, were like, this looks <laughs> awful. It's so Republican. It's a bunch of old men who I will say are not exclusively white, but are extremely majority white and like median age of 70. It's not, it's not like, okay, so it's not a Donald Trump fundraiser, but it is a Mitt Romney or Paul Ryan fundraiser. Yeah. Yeah. So that's well, kind of what that we're working Well, and that makes sense. With. Cyrus is more the Donald Trump and Robert is more the... Don't insult Cyrus like that. Okay. Well, I meant just in terms of like personality styles, but yeah. It, there's not a clear metaphor to American politics. I don't need to make one. Robert is like, enjoy gambling my fancy games. I don't know. That party has... That party is just not good. It's a bunch of... Like- Guys in uncomfortable suits, drinking alcohol out of teensy glasses and doing, like... And they have a snooker table. Yeah. And so they're all in tuxes and they, uh, and, uh, Jasper's like, Yo, Liam, this party's a fucking buzzkill. <laughs> you want to get out of here and hit the pubs? This is not an exaggeration. <laughs> and Liam's like, I have to, I have to get back in my brother's good graces. I have to stay all night. Please, just... Stay with me, and if you face off in competition against my brother, let him win. (laughs) Cut to the next shot. And he's immediately playing snooker against Robert. And he griffs him. He pretends to be bad at snooker. Sorry, Robert. Robert does one of those evil monologues where he, like, says a sentence, sinks a ball. Says a sentence, sinks a ball. But, oh, what's this? A miss? Jasper takes the cue, or whatever you call it when you're playing snooker. IU sinks a ball and airs again and proceeds to win the game doing the same thing Robert did. Yeah, it's a con. It's I I, I want to say that um, because there's like stuff in this episode that revolves around cons and long cons, I'm assuming the symbology of like the pool table and all that is intentional, like maybe kind of a hustler kind of thing. But the dialogue in this scene is so like rehearsed and even less human than most of the dialogue in this show, which is really saying something. Yeah. I just feel like they were trying to do go for like a combination, the hustler, the sting kind of vibe, because there's multiple things in this episode about about cons, both long and short. It comes off as being more like the for British eyes only arc for Arrested Development in terms yeah. of level of gravitas. <laughs> anyway, Jasper wins and it doesn't really matter. I don't know why Liam was protecting Robert from... Robert's a grown ass man who by all accounts is like super good at all sports. He's like a dart champion of the world according to the first few seasons. Yeah, and he was really good at chess too, even from childhood because Simon like would have these really emotionally abusive conversations with him while they would play chess. So I don't know why Robert needs to be, like, coddled against potentially losing one game of snooker. And when he wins, the the, the extras in the snooker game, I have to say, are great. Especially because it's not like keeping him in a good mood would make what happens at the end no, of the it doesn't, episode it doesn't go any differently. Anything. It doesn't yeah. affect anything. But the extras are, like, nodding during the speeches. They go, Ugh. And when Jasper wins... Rebel, rebel, rebel. One guy everything. throws his fists in the air, his fist in the air in the background, and they're all very happy with it. Especially Cyrus. <laughs> he is the most happy about the outcome. Cyrus is wearing this elaborately embroidered oh. jacket that makes him look like a valet. It makes him look like he's a member of the palace staff. Like, it doesn't look we, like a tuxedo. We didn't explain. Cyrus is the other person who should not, by all accounts, be in the palace. How did he get away? Shannon... I thought that he was banished from British soil. What's that you said? 
I said Cyrus has been banished from from walking upon the British soil. Sorry, could you say that one more time? British soil is not to be tread upon by one Cyrus Henstridge, according to a decree from the king. Well, check this shit out, because Cyrus has shoes with clear compartments full of Venezuelan soil in them, so that the soles of his shoes are technically not upon British soil, because they're on (laughs) Venezuelan soil. Which Robert describes as an interesting loophole. Uh, a curious loophole. Instead of complete bullshit. He says, what a curious loophole. And Cyrus says, curious holes are the best ones. Oh, I want to talk a little bit about his sexuality in this episode. In the scene after this, he like compliments Jasper. But then, and I'm not saying this to like degrade Cyrus or make like a nasty comment about his sexuality. He kind of begs Jasper for sex. It's not like Cyrus's usual level of suave seduction. It's more like him just asking him to have sex with him several times. Yeah, he was like, you beating Robert, beating King Douchebag, as he refers to him, kind of turned me on. You want to come back to my... (laughs) But that's the coolest he plays it because he keeps asking over and over and over again. And Jasper's like, yeah, I'm... More and more pathetically. Increasingly, Jasper's like, well, I'm dating your niece, and Cyrus Never is like, this family before. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, who cares? That doesn't bother me in one bit. And I have to say, we talked about how Jasper is like the straightest of straight. But I was genuinely concerned because of the show that the response, I thought the response Jasper had, I was not ruling out a gay panic response. He didn't do it. No, I didn't think that was going to happen. I was just surprised that the show had reduced Cyrus to this just because in the past he's always gotten sex very easily and used it as a weapon. It was just unusual to see a scene where he didn't get the object of his sexual desire. I never expected Jasper to acquiesce to him, obviously, because he's like captain heterosexuality, but... I, I didn't think of it as very groveling. It, it wasn't groveling. It wasn't groveling. It was just like it very direct. Yeah. yeah, it was like very obvious. What like he was not. No, no, no. I, I beating didn't around it was the like bush. That like super slimy. I don't know if I'm explaining my point well, but it just stuck out to me. Well, uh, yeah. So following this, they uh, all sit down at a round, and Jasper uh, is banished from the room. Yeah. He's a, Lowly common bodyguard who has to go so, do his job. So unfair. So fucking offended at the idea that he has to leave the room to be a security guard. He even looks to Liam like, come on, man, back me up. And Liam just looks down at the table the way you do when you're in elementary school and a friend is getting picked on and you can't deal. Uh, so Jasper is sent to stand outside and stand guard uh, to the party, which is his fucking job, so... What do you want to do? And that's when Robert begins his evil monologue? His villain speech, I guess? Um, so he he starts talking about, Once upon a time in this country, we had a serfdom where the rich and the powerful, the viscounts and the barons and the dukes... Oh yeah, he mentions in this room... We have the people who run this country in this room. He's like, Viscounts and Marquis. Those are a dime a dozen. Those were titles that were created very quickly and cheaply. Like, being a Viscount or a Marcus or, like, any of those low-level titles, you don't get shit. You're, you, you, it doesn't matter. It's just a title. I do wonder if maybe the way that they'll reincorporate the Frost dad um, and Jasper is that they did give him a knighthood and somehow they can try to twist that into getting him involved because he technically has a title of some kind. So maybe he can get involved on this conspiracy that uh, Robert is running. Maybe. That's the only thing I could think of. But that hasn't happened yet. Anyways, he says we used to have that. uh, And presently we have it again because I've dissolved parliament. But what if I told you that wasn't temporary no shit yeah so finally the show decided that dissolving parliament actually is a big deal five episodes later but we all knew he wasn't doing like givesies backsies right right but i didn't know if the show thought it was a big deal now i think the show has fundamentally said oh this is actually evil 
but the common people don't think it's a big deal and they don't do not get give this evil, which is so insulting. They do not give one Their fuck. country is being taken over by fascism. This is the Brits, you know, fought the Nazis in World War II, and they're just becoming a fascist uh, government, and they don't even care. Well, um, yeah, I, I guess tell it to Brexit, but um, anyway... Let's not go there. This is different. They still have a parliament. That's true. That's very insulting to the British people, to put it that way. Um, anyways. Um, yeah, so it's clear. So now he's like, all I'm asking for you of you is loyalty. As long as you show me loyalty, you'll get lands and titles and money and control of the British Empire. Uh, Parliament's gone, so it's all ours, baby. And this isn't that many guys. So if there are Viscounts and Marcuses included, then there are a lot of, like, high-up dukes who got left out. It's a very weird setup. Really, it should be a hierarchical system where it's Robert at the top of the pyramid and then his, like, high-up dukes and princes below him, not, like, a mix of, I've got every title from around the country let's just just say hierarchy a hierarchy you know what i mean though this makes no sense even from robert's let's go back to the good old days maba thing um make britain great yeah yeah i got it um i'm amazing i'm so funny regardless uh cyrus after the speech why he was allowed to stay for the speech i do not totally understand like, um, let me let my number one enemy know what my scheme is. Now, Great, thanks. I think maybe the purpose was to goad Cyrus into just knowing that this was happening and he wouldn't be able to be a part of it. Dumb move, um, either way. And I guess maybe the people of Britain, with good reason, might not believe Cyrus if he told them. <laughs> but uh, Cyrus is like, well, you did it. I'm actually genuinely impressed that you managed to, like, turn it into... A literal, like, monarchy. But uh, to all of you, let me just tell you, I used to be king, and this guy does not give two fucks about anybody in this. And Cyrus basically admitted, I tried to do this same thing, but I couldn't figure out how to pull it off. Even though it seemed very easy, to be honest. Yeah. Um, And he's like, he calls Robert, he literally calls Robert Adolf Jr., I thought that was a fun twist on Hitler Jr. You know, everyone throws around his last name. You gotta throw in his first name, too. And he says, you know, the second... The the chair to the left of uh, Robert is empty because whoever's his most loyal lieutenant will be given the chair at the round table next to Robert. They point out that it is a round table in the the dialogue. Um, And... And Cyrus says, you used to get a voice through the House of Lords. Now you have nothing except his wishes. Like, he can get you, boust you as soon as he wants. So what you should do right now is not go with this plan and fuck it. Probably you should straight up just kill this guy right here. And then Liam, in a roided out rage, veins in his face and I assume are weird veiny arms bulging, attacks... Cyrus incredibly forcefully smashing bottles on his face and punching him on the ground. They do a close-up of Liam's face while he's punching Cyrus. He looks absolutely psychotic. He like does. He goes he from 0 insane. to 10 in rage insane. instantaneously in a way that doesn't even seem believable unless someone is, like, on meth. And earlier in the episode, Liam was defending Cyrus as, like, you always said, Robert, that the most important thing was family and anything can be mended, which is part of the reason he allows Cyrus to stay. And I get that these are all hints that this is part of some larger plot that they're doing. Spoiler but alert. that doesn't make William Mosley's acting choice make a no. lick of goddamn he sense. He looks fucking crazy. He looks like a... Like, if there's a movie about a serial killer who becomes overcome with rage and commits murders, like, that is the look <laughs> on that character's face. Yeah. Um. Anyway... After this beatdown, we get back to the beginning in Media Race scene where Robert is like, You did what you had to do. Stay in the seat next to me. You've proved your loyalty. <gasps> ah! Brothers forever. <laughs> brothers forever. So Liam, after the party, steps outside to get some fresh air on the balcony. Who's out on the balcony but one Cyrus, hence, who's uh, got uh, bloody marks up all on his face and is like, Did he buy it? And well, Liam's like, 
He didn't suspect a thing. And he does that really unlikable smirk that he does. Yeah. Which is not the same as his genuine smile, which is fine. And then they're like, but there's one thing I understand. The blackout. Couldn't, you couldn't cause, he couldn't cause the blackout, could he? Or something like that. And then Cyrus is like, no, but let me introduce you to somebody who could. And who could prove it. Could prove it. No, their concern is that they think he did it, but they can't prove it. And then Cyrus is like, let me introduce you to someone who could. Edward Snowden. So Edward Snowden, Venezuela edition. Because he is a hacker now. This guy says he was a journalist. That doesn't make any sense. Why would a journalist be able to, like, hack the net? He was on the hacking beat. (laughs) Um, So Guccifer 1.0 steps out. And, uh, yeah, so that's, they have their little cabal ready to go. Uh, but Liam has one more stop on his, on his, uh, on his trail. His trail of deceit and Long Connery. Uh, Long Connery is Sean Connery's tall brother. Um, anyway, he goes to a waterfront, like a, sort of a canal. And who should show up but Catherine. And here's where they start doing this thing that I mentioned previously in our podcast episode, where they start cutting the scene with flashbacks from a previous, from the previous episode, but showing it like sentence by sentence back and forth in a way that I didn't find to be particularly effective, but whatever. The idea is that Liam and Catherine are repeating verbatim the conversation that Robert and Catherine, Catherine had last episode about like... I didn't know if you would come. I couldn't resist. I'm a bad I'm a, person. I'm a bad person. And uh, and then Catherine walks up to him and they kiss and he's like, and Liam's like, he doesn't suspect a thing. So that too was the con. Also, Liam, because he's so into calling people her people his girl, goes, my girl's quite an actress, or like something unbelievably terrible like that. Now, they don't totally spell out why they did this. My guess is that it was to provide like an, a motivation for Liam to trust his brother more or to fly back to his arms after realizing Catherine was deceitful too. And so it laid the way for them to like, make Robert think, okay, Liam is back on my side now. So I think that's why they, but it's not totally clear. I don't know what skill Catherine brings to this plot to bring democracy back to England. No offense to her. She just isn't a character who's been made out to be particularly cunning, skilled, or even interested in what's going on. I don't know if she has utility going forward, except for like one scene where maybe she can be like, we tricked you, Robert. But like, I think, I think. Who's the slut now, Robert? Yeah, like something Who's like that. Like she'll get a one-liner. <laughs> but as far as the plot goes, I don't think she has a lot of utility. Maybe she can tr- get Robert to cheat on. Well, I don't know. But um, maybe she can wear a wire. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I think mostly she was. Yeah, I think she's mostly there so that Liam has a love interest at the end of the day. What happened to Willow when Robert turns out to be full? And I'm worried for her now, my poor little horse, Eris. That is what I'll say. We got definitive proof. This episode answers, I think, it doesn't say whether he killed uh, Simon. And it doesn't say, you know, his involvement in various other plots. But uh, we have definitive proof. I think we can solidly say Robert, evil. Yes. I mean, he's evil because he's a dictator. I'm not going to call anyone who's a dictator not evil. Right. But from the perspective of the show, it wasn't clear to me that the show thought he was evil until this episode. Right. But now he's like been called Adolf Jr. by a character on screen. So yeah, who, I think we feel like now he's definitely and And Liam, <laughs> Liam, who has always been like the, the show's sort of main dude that we're supposed to see the political side of the show through is against him again and doing this long con to bring him down. It's clear that the we finally know what the point of the season is. It's to bring down Robert. It's two episodes from the end, but we finally fucking know what's going on and what the plot is this season. It's unbelievably frustrating to have the show's most likable character and the show's most interesting plot idea forever separated. Ne'er the twain shall meet. I'm speaking, of course, the fact that even though... 
when Robert was missing, all we heard about was how close Eleanor and Robert were. She has been completely shut out of this part of the plot. Eternally. And all she talks about is how much she loves Jasper, including this episode. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess there's. it's not impossible that she'll become involved in some capacity in the next couple episodes. The only other thing that happens to Eleanor this episode is she tells... Helena that she is the Robin Hood. Yeah, I'll actually say they also play with this weird motif with her we didn't really talk about where she's hinting at disappointment and regrets with the way her life has gone so far in terms of her public persona. And Willow asks her to say one nice thing about her because Willow is like crashing, she's high, like her self-esteem probably already wasn't great, but now it's really in the toilet. And Eleanor says like, and I, it seems to be meant as a sincere, nice compliment that, like, the nice thing about her is the way people look at her the first time they meet her, like, they're going to remember it forever, which I sort of get what they're going for. But it also, like, if I was begging one of my close friends to say something nice to me and they made a comment that was like, people find you really beautiful. People think you look nice. I would be devastated. Uh, yeah, I don't know that I have anything. I guess hopefully that over in the next few episodes, now that they've introduced that, I mean, they also put a button on the episode where she was like, I guess when I was high and drunk and blah, 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 all those times, I was just looking for love and you helped me find it, Jasper. Yeah. Which is they, like a nice enough scene, but the sentiment does not imply that she's going to have a greater role. Yeah, she's, I was looking for something and I'm like, what is it? Fulfillment? A purpose? Love. Which, I mean, I love love and it is a very important thing, but... It's just really frustrating. Like, this show, I feel like Eleanor became the Robin Hood and is doing this cool, like, sneaking around stuff and is wanting to be seen as royal. And all that is going to end up in is when the show is over in two episodes, it's going to be like, now Eleanor founds a lot of charities, just like her mom. Because this show has the attitude of, like, that's what royals do. You know, we're going to fund our tidy little charities and that's how the women make their difference. Well, yeah. So hopefully they'll find a way to bring her into the main plot. It remains to be seen if they do. Yeah, uh, that's something that I'm not excited about going forward. They don't know what... Helena still has no real function on this show. Um, I will say... Even though this is another plot she should be involved in. It's her son and she's always pushed for him to be this powerful king. Yeah. Um... Someone who does, Cyrus now has a purpose again, which is nice. Uh, they did rectify that. Uh, they figured out the plot for the season. I did not see the con stuff coming. Like I didn't see Liam going back to be an ally with Cyrus, nor did I see the stuff with Catherine happening. So I've got to give it to the show just for blindsiding me with this revelation that Liam never took Robert's side. Like he never recanted on his idea that Robert was, was a piece of shit. So, Congrats to the show for that. The storyline with Eleanor was fun. It's just disappointing in how inconsequential it was. It wasn't like it was irritating to watch in the moment. Yeah, it's just like if this had happened three episodes earlier, I would be fine with it. But now that we're in the final few episodes, I would like to see something happen with Eleanor. That said, I have more optimism for the last few episodes. I'm hoping they That's do true. wrap it up and they don't end up on a cliffhanger. And... I think this is going to give a good uh, a good sort of incentive, especially if they could see the writing on the wall and knew that this was probably their last season. A good incentive to end the show with the dissolving of the monarchy. Well, one last moment as the episode ends that I did want to talk about. Willow goes to Robert after her hearing while she's oh, right. still in the poison outfit. He immediately recognizes the clothes as Eleanor's. And she just straight up confronts him. She's like... Cassandra was in the palace. Did you know that she was here? Have you been in contact with her? Has she been getting in? And Robert says, well, yeah, actually she was here a few days ago the night we got engaged, but I didn't let her in and nothing happened, so I didn't tell you. And Willow kind of doesn't really accept that. Is like, I want to trust you, but I'm not so sure. And he holds out his hands and she doesn't take them and walks away. And I was happy to see that She's not completely under his spell. She's still looking out for herself and her own interests. Uh, yeah, so... Anyway, we already kind of did our wrap-up, but I wanted to make sure that got in there because I'm guessing it's going to have to do with how Willow's plot for the whole show ends. And even though she started out as a kind of minor guest character, she has become one of the characters we've actually been around the longest. Well, 
Uh, two more episodes to go of this season. We'll see if they can stick the landing. Um, I guess we have to do our final feature. Before have we... to. You can't go into it with that attitude. Yeah, it's a I mean, pleasure. this was a it's better a episode than they've had the last few. So that's something. What was your favorite moment or image from this episode? Image-wise, it's gotta be the melting painting That's mine, too. But uh, moment-wise, I think actually probably... It's probably something from the other storyline. Maybe the reveal that Cyrus and Liam have been working on this con for a while because it actually gives me faith that this story has a direction. And that is something I was really worried about the last few episodes. So just that and uh, Robert's speech where he lays out full bore that he is, yes, still evil. I think those two moments are probably the moments that made me breathe a sigh of relief. Like, okay, this the writers have an idea of what they're trying to do. I think I'll give my favorite moment to the Catherine reveal. In part because I was really glad to see that for once, Catherine was not just a pawn. You know what I mean? She has a little bit of agency in what's going on in terms of she didn't just allow herself to be seduced by Robert and then, you know, thrown to the wolves the way we thought last episode. So that was good. Um, But favorite moment overall, gotta be the shoes with the Venezuelan soil in them. Oh yeah, that was pretty ridiculous. Just something you only find on the Royals, which is why we watch this show. That's like even a step above diplomatic immunity from Lethal Weapon 2. (laughs) All right. Well, who knows what'll happen next week. You'll have to tune in to either the show and or this podcast to find out. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, But that's going to do it for this week. So until next time. Oh, uh, one last thing before we go. Uh, I do another podcast called The Revisionist that I never plug on this podcast. Oh, yeah, it's been a while. Um, So if you like uh, me specifically, go ahead and listen to that. It's an alternate. It's a comedy history podcast. So you learn and you laugh. Or you don't do either, more probably. No, I think you do. That's why it's the opposite of this podcast. Uh, But uh, yeah, uh, you can find that on iTunes. But uh, until next time, I've been Zach Powers. I've been Shannon Camp. All right. Bye. Still no sign off. Sorry, Darren, it's getting very, it's suddenly summer and it's hot in our recording room now. Suddenly summer. All right. Um, where were we? Let me pick it up. I said I know where to pick it up.